0: Hi, my name is Haley. Um, I struggle with bipolar disorder and PTSD and I was homeless in 2020. So I guess my story really starts with 2020 because um, growing up, I was kind of like someone else's something. Like I was the girlfriend or the sister or the daughter or the patient. And um, that is partially because my mom has Munchausen by proxy. What is that? It's when you, um, a caretaker makes the person that they take care of sick. Wow, okay. Through, yeah, so I was triggered into self-harm and stuff and put on meds. and taking- So was
1: that your whole life, like, for the
0: most part? So it started when I was, like, 12. Okay. And um, most of my teenage years, it was just, like, Haley's crazy. Haley's gonna go to the hospital, and I was just so confused. And I just grew up used to not having a voice mm-hmm. and not being my own person. So she
1: basically made you feel like you were crazy. Yes. Okay. All the time. Yes. So it was kind of hard for you to like de- develop your own identity and self. Okay. Got
0: Absolutely. It.
1: And um, yeah.
0: So I because of not being in control of my identity or, you know, I learned that no matter who someone is, a doctor, a police officer, a teacher or whatever, like I was not going to be heard. Mm-hmm. So that control turned into self-harm and eating disorders. Um, and I remember when I was 17, after like three hospitalizations, I, my grandma had me move in with her and, um, there was a lot of history there too. But, um, I remember just feeling like I had a chance, kind of feeling safe. And then after years and years of being like put on random super strong meds and then taking them on and off, um, my doctor put me on Adderall Because he thought I had ADD, and I went crazy. I love the name. We're all insane, by the way. Okay, good. (laughs) It's not like we. It's not like someone with epilepsy. We see lights and we're like, oh my god. Yeah. I think it's awesome because it's all inclusive. Yes. Um. So I love it. I say that word all the time. Thank you. But um. So literally for like three weeks, I was not eating, and I was just super manic constantly Mm. and i wasn't sleeping at all and then i was in school and i didn't take the adderall that day and i just had a huge panic attack like i i went to an alternative school because of mental health stuff
1: and i couldn't function in a regular classroom um so sorry to interrupt you at this point in your life you weren't diagnosed with anything except for the add right
0: well my mom got people to believe that I had borderline
1: personality disorder. Okay. And probably other stuff. That so I she know. was the one that was sending you to the hospitals growing up. Yeah. Okay. And then, so you got, was it just you and your mom? Do you have any other siblings?
0: I do. I have a, um, a sister a year younger than me and a sister 12 years younger than me.
1: Was it the same with them? No. So just you? No, but when
0: I moved out, my other sister went to the hospital that month.
1: Okay. So just some, like, kind of like a repeating pattern at that point you notice Yeah, very obvious. (laughs) Okay. So diagnosed with ADD after your last visit, Mm -hmm. right? And then you had the panic attack. Okay. When you didn't take the medicine for the ADD. Okay. And then um, I just started screaming
0: and flipping out in school. And, like, I remember, like, looking in the mirror and seeing the crazy person. Like... I have relatives who have gone off medication and been manic, and seeing that is really heartbreaking. But then when you're that person in the mirror who is shaking and yelling and pale and freaking out, it's like, holy shit, like. Yeah. And it took a while after that um, day to come back to being like a human, like. After that day, like, I had to stop taking the Adderall, obviously, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I, like, I just was constantly dissociating, like, I would have, I have so many just blocks in my memory, just, or gaps, because, um, I guess it did something to my brain where I just was not here, and I wasn't eating, and I didn't, I wasn't, like, consciously here, and My grandma and my therapist were like, dude, is she going to stay this way forever? Like, so luckily I got out of it about two weeks after the panic attack and the breakdown. And I saw a therapist who was really the first person in that field to listen to me and what I had to say. And I was like oh, I'm in control of this, like, my mom isn't here, no one's here to say that, um, Haley needs to go to the hospital, Haley's crazy, Haley's going to hurt herself. It was just like, I started to be like, I can be honest with myself and safe with another human, and she introduced me to, like, yoga and Reiki um, after a couple months of seeing her, and by then I had just turned 18 and it was 2021 or t- 2020. And um, I was just like, my whole view of my world just completely changed. Um, I started feeling like, cause I'm a very artistic, passionate person and um, self-expression is like the most important to- thing to me in the world in that way. And I was like, I actually can express myself and I can make my life beautiful. And I have the ability to change my perception and change the way that I think about people and choose the people who enter my life. And that was never really a concept to me before that. And then COVID hit. And. My grandma and I were trapped in the apartment together and we were not getting along and I thought I was doing better because I was having this whole spiritual awakening, but I don't know if, I don't know if you know, I know you mentioned you dated someone with mm-hmm. bipolar. Yeah. When we get manic, sometimes we get super into spiritual epiphanies. Mm-hmm. So I was basically going off the deep end And, like, I don't judge people who do witchcraft and stuff, but I can't handle it because my brain is just, like, nothing is real and uh, magic is real and shit like that. Mm -hmm. So I was basically just losing my mind, thinking I was doing better. And my grandma, after one month of quarantine, so it was, like, April 2020, um, I had to leave the apartment. And I went to live in Pennsylvania with my grandpa in the middle of nowhere. And so was that
1: your choice or your grandma's choice?
0: I suppose it was equal. Okay. I, I was like, at the time I was just learning how to make my own decisions and like comprehend what reality is and what it isn't. So in my head it was like, Oh, it's a new adventure and I'm going to go live in Pennsylvania and start a life for myself. But it's like, okay, you're a senior in high school, you don't have a license, you don't have a car, you don't know anyone down there, it's the middle of nowhere. So it was really hard for me to grasp reality still. So I went down there and it was hell on earth. Like I was doing um, yoga and stuff and I was still singing and painting and drawing and that was like my only outlet, but I was completely alone. And it's just so crazy because, (laughs) crazy, because like, I feel like if I were mentally stable at that point, it would not have been the way it was. But because I was just so out of it and exhausted and rapid cycling, so manic depressed, manic Mm -hmm. depressed, and that started becoming a rapid cycling, like every day, multiple times a day and I would fall asleep crying because I had to wake up in the morning and wake up crying because I woke up and I had to do it all over again. And I ended up contacting my friend after like two weeks of living there. And I was like, dude, I'm going insane. And um, he's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) And uh, so I was lucky enough for him and his mom to... Invite me to live with them for two weeks. And at that point, I was really, really, really just grasping on to any positive thing that I could. So, like, if, like, on the way up, I was like, I just hugged two people, or like, that's a beautiful sunset. Like, I'm in a safe car with people that care about me. I'm in a safe house with food. Like, I was just taking in every positive thing that I could and really making the most of it. And I still wasn't taking my meds right, and I still was not healthy at all and had no idea where I was going to be in the near future. And I was...
1: Did you know at this point that you were bipolar or not yet?
0: I had a hunch.
1: Okay. Just based on, like, your own research and knowledge or... Um,
0: I think because of all of this, the shit that was thrown at me growing up about different mental illnesses. Yeah. It's like the thing with TikTok now where everybody thinks they have everything. Right. Um, that's kind of what it was, but okay. I, I was so stubborn about it because I was like, I was put through home my whole life with this whole, like, I hated the idea of mindfulness and recovery. I hated the idea of having a diagnosis and being on medication. I was like, It was, it was like my enemy, like it had been forced on me. But at that point I was like, all right, something else is wrong.
1: Well, Um, I think too, probably because growing up, you know, you were forced to believe that you had all of these things wrong, that when you were finally on your own, it was like, you didn't want to believe there was anything wrong. Like it was like, you know what I mean? I think that was probably like an internal struggle with yourself too, because you just, I feel like you probably so badly wanted to just be fine on your own, you know? Did I hit it spot on? You did. (laughs) I was like, perfect. Um, Yeah. And after
0: that, like, I'm still like a hypochondriac. um, And my doctor was like, I wonder why that is. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, no, dude, like your mom had Munchausen. So you're going to assume that stuff is wrong with you without knowing why that makes sense. Um, So, yeah, at this point, I had just wanted to be detached from all the shit that, was in my past, I was like in this mindset that it didn't need to exist anymore because I'm in this moment and I have this future. It's like, no, you have to work through stuff that happens or it, it just eats at you. So I was having a great time living with my friend and his mom. They are beautiful people. And um, I was doing really well, and then i knew i had to go home because their landlord was a dick and they were like she's gotta go um but i was i was lucky to have somewhere to be but um one night when i realized like i'm going back in like two days to a place where i was this close to trying to take my life um i kind of had a mental breakdown and i couldn't stop it and I was just in denial. I was like, this isn't happening. I'm not crazy. This isn't happening. I'm not like this. I'm not like, I'm not this person anymore. I'm not what my mom made me to be. I'm not a hospital patient. Um, but the panic attack just getting kept getting worse because I wasn't connected to reality in that moment. And I blacked out. And then I stumbled into the kitchen where my friend and his mom were. And I looked at my friend's face and it was the weirdest shit like i've never hallucinated before but this was i looked at his face and it basically looked super deformed and it looked like he had like big alien eyes and i was just like what the fuck is going Mm -hmm. on and then um i like he i guess i think he asked me what was wrong and i was just like get away from me (laughs) um so then his mom came over and i don't really remember exactly how it went down but she was like are you okay? And I was like, "Uh uh-uh. And she was like, can you tell me what day it is? And I was like, it's dark outside. (laughs) She's like, okay. And then she calmed me down a little and she brought me outside and she looked at me. She was like, how are you feeling now? And I was like, I don't fucking know. She was like, do you want to break shit? And I was like, I'm sorry. And she said, do you want to go outside and break plates on the pavement with me? And I was like, fuck yeah. and growing up i had never had the option to express my emotions in a healthy way it was always like if i was ever feeling an emotion i kept it in and when i would be triggered it was just be an explosion and it would cause like chaos in the house and i would scream and like hurt myself and it was crazy but um so i was like oh i'm going to be able to have a Angry, angry time, like that is encouraged. And I can actually express this, and it's not something I need to feel guilty about. So they lived on this house, on this beautiful field, and the stars were like perfectly clear. You could see like everything, and the moon was full. And we walked down their hill onto the road, which we definitely shouldn't have been breaking glass on because there are a lot of cars that go down it. But She was like, look up at the sky and start screaming whatever you want to scream and I'm going to put my headphones in and I'm going to scream and we're going to break plates. And I was just like, okay, everything's going to be okay. This is the shit that I live for. Like, there are just a lot of moments in my life like that where I just feel like everything led to this and this is a gut feeling of just love being showed to me, like you do have a purpose and here's a beautiful thing after really bad things. Yeah. Um, After I went back to my pop-ups house in Pennsylvania, the same place, I, I went, I was like, no, there's no way I'm doing this. And it was like, I had just found this passion for life like a couple months ago when I was doing so well and I was being the person away from my family and away from my illnesses and I was like how am I doing this to myself and then there was another part of me that was like I don't want to be here anymore and I was literally like fighting with myself it was so weird i ran upstairs to my uh pop-ups part of the house and i was like just yelling i was like i'm gonna kill myself and he had access i would have had access there to a lot of he lives in the middle of nowhere so there's like guns under the pillow Mm -hmm. and like razors in the shop and painkillers everywhere and i was like this is the best place God possibly could have planted me. Wow. But, um, then I called the suicide hotline and I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't hurt myself. I can't do this again. And the lady was a bitch to me. She was basically kind of like, what do you want? And I was like, not you. And I just started screaming at her. And then she was like, ma'am, ma'am, calm down. And then I just hung up the phone and I i think i called other people and just started screaming into the phone and i just stopped being able to hear myself like i was just going ape shit because i i thought i was gonna die and i was like well they ought to know what i've been thinking and then my grandpa got on the phone i guess with i don't remember it might have been the local police department and I took the phone and I was like, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> and it was this woman and she had such a sweet voice and I was still, that part of me that was still like, fuck everything, I'm, I'm leaving. But the good part of me was like, hear her out. And she was like, I know how this stuff works with mental illness and I really wanna help you. And I yelled at her, I was like, how could you care you can't know and then she told me a couple personal things that kind of put us both on a human level Mm -hmm. it was like you and I are the same I'm not better than you or vice versa and that had never happened with like a social worker before I think that's what she was and I was like oh shit sorry (sighs) ma'am thank you so much and her name was fucking sunshine. <laughs> it's like someone being named angel. Yeah. Like I was like, are you kidding me? And then these cops showed up to make sure I didn't hurt myself and then the ambulance got there and I got to listen to music in the ambulance on the way to the hospital and sunshine she, like was at the ER door with like a rainbow mask in her hand and she was mm-hmm. like, "Here you go, Haley." Like no one's ever Done that I feel like the that's, kindness yeah it was like this person wants me to feel happy yeah um and I've had other kind impactful people in my life um otherwise I definitely wouldn't still be here but um at that time it was like absolutely no one and then a literal ray of sunshine who just wanted to help me and I was there for a couple days. And they decided like, yeah, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, no shit. And I drove in a police car up to Saratoga Springs, New York, which is where I live now. And I was admitted to Four Winds Psychiatric Hospital. And I was so used to hating the hospital, like it was my enemy. Um, And I hated mindfulness and I hated the idea of therapy Well, I guess before 2020, but I got there and it was really late at night and I was alone and it had like a living room with like a piano and the rooms were like clean and safe and quiet. And I had this book that I was reading when I was in the ER called Where the Heart Is. And I remember going back into main character mode and opening the book. And I sat by the window in the living room And, like, a street lamp was going on the book. And I just, like, was sitting there and I was like, this is another one of those moments where I'm safe and I'm going to be okay. And that week that I was there in that hospital, I met some of the most amazing people that I have ever met. Um,
1: Like, other patients or people that, okay.
0: And, and like, staff Mm -hmm. because... It's. It was one of those places where they really wanted to help you. Yeah. Um, I met someone that I ended up dating, which is never ever good to do. <laughs> if you've been in treatment and you're watching this, don't ever date someone. I've made that mistake thrice. Yeah. Um, but, um, we would. Everybody would play cards and sit around and sing together, and we would share our stories with each other. And it was like, it was the adult unit, and I'd never been on an adult unit. And these people were people who've been in the military teachers, professors, doctors, nurses, mothers like, and it was just like everybody had so much respect for everyone, including the staff towards the patients mostly. <laughs> and there was this one woman who got there like, four days after I did and I'm still in contact with her because she's wonderful but I remember seeing her for the first time she came out onto the porch where we were having a group and I remember looking at her and it was one of those things where I saw myself at the darkest moments which is really really dark Um, and she just looked like she was just covered in pain and it was like oh my gosh like i was just it was so sad like she just looked like she had no hope behind her eyes um and what i didn't know was that the piano that i was playing all the time was on the other side of her wall and i figured that whoever was in there wanted to kill me mm-hmm. <laughs> cuz i was loud as hell then i was like whatever and um when we left she wrote me a letter basically saying your music woke me up out of my suicidal trance and hearing you play the guitar physically warmed or the piano physically warmed my body and that's why I started coming out and opening up and talking to people and one of the things she wrote was If you ever find yourself lost in the darkness, remember whose soul you saved. And if you can do that, you can do anything. And I was like, okay, so I have a purpose. I can help people with this. Not only am I supposed to be alive, but I just did something with the most painful situation I'd ever been in. And... I still wasn't stabilized, but I at least had gotten on the right meds and I got my diagnosis of bipolar and I got help and I was around people. And then after about a week and a half of being there, my therapist was like, so are you going back to grandma's or are we going to put you in a shelter? And I had to make the decision of going home or going to somewhere I'd never been all alone having no idea what would happen. And I didn't have, like, any of my things except, like, some clothes and some books and my phone and a charger. And the clothes were all, like, winter clothes. (laughs) I don't know why. And um, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to a shelter in Glens Falls, wherever the fuck that is. And So you didn't want to go back to your grandma's house? No. No. I just... (laughs) I was not ready and I just saw everything happening again and right. I was like, I can't
1: go back down that path.
0: Yeah. And, and then just to
1: backtrack a little, so there's bipolar one and two, mm-hmm. right? Which which one do you have? So the
0: diagnosis says bipolar one. Okay. Um, but then I read a book about, it's called the bipolar survival guide uh-huh. and rapid cycling. Isn't something I guess normally happens in bipolar one. Okay. So it probably is bipolar one and the rapid cycling is like PTSD. Okay. Or something, but.
1: And then the PTSD would be from your childhood with your mom, right? Yes. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like speeding through. No, you're okay. No, I'm just clarifying just so that I know too. No, you're doing great. Um. So you decide to go to a shelter instead. Okay. And then where was that? Was it in New York also or? Okay. It
0: was in Glens Falls, New York. Okay. So it was like 30 minutes north of the hospital that I was in. And I'd never been there before. I was like, what's a Glens Falls? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I actually had this great plan to, I was obviously still a little out of it. I was going to ask the medicab that was taking me to the homeless shelter to drop me off at a gas station. And I would figure it out from there because I didn't want to go to a shelter. I wanted to be a vagabond and do it all alone with no money and no life experience uh because that sounded great but then he dropped me off at a gas station probably like five minutes away from where I was supposed to be I was like ah shit that's not gonna work so I put the shelter into the google maps and walked there how far was the walk it was probably probably like a five minute walk okay
1: so it wasn't bad no
0: I thought I was a lot farther I was like taking a risk but yeah thankfully I wasn't (laughs) And that night I got there and it was really nice. Um, it was like a big old house and it's called the Wait house. And it's basically where it's a shelter that you can stay at for two months and they help you get a job and life skills and two months is not enough, <laughs> but um, I ended up getting settled in that night and I was at it was like a girl's room and a guy's room. So I was in the girl's room and there were like bunk beds and I was on the bottom bunk next to the window. And I was the only person, the only woman there at the time. And I looked out the window and there was like this beautiful sunset and Glens Falls is not pretty. Like it's just, but I remember being like, I should be super afraid right now. I've never been on my own. I've, But I've always been super dependent on my mom and my grandma. And I just, like, could not feel afraid. I just had this gut feeling that my life had just started for real. And then I got a job for the first time at the Marriott on Lake George. So I would literally take the bus to Lake George, dip my feet in the water, and then walk up to work at a hotel... And I was, like, living the dream. How old were you at this time? 18. Okay. So I wanted to get a job a lot earlier, but I just was not mentally capable. Yeah. And then after about a month, I quit that job because my mental health was spiraling and I didn't know how to function in a work
1: environment. Were you still taking your medicines or was it, like, kind of hard for you to stick with them? So the meds were controlled and,
0: well, they were, like,
1: distributed
0: to you daily by the weight house staff. Okay. So they were making sure that I was getting the meds. But they – it definitely wasn't the right medication mix.
1: And right, because it takes time to find the right things that are going to work for each person. So much time. yeah.
0: And literally everyone is different. Right. Like, something that worked great for me, like, would could send someone else into a yeah. psychotic episode. So I was getting the meds, but they were not the right ones, and I still was not healing from what I needed to be healing from. I was in therapy, but it wasn't enough. I needed like intense outpatient therapy, like a group, and I was just alone and working and surrounded by shelter staff who half of them had ankle bracelets on and Mm -hmm. like I don't judge people for having their own story but a lot of them made very crucial decisions in my life because it's like they take notes on everything you do and they follow you around and they tell your social worker there how you've been behaving and it was so weird and messed up and it just doesn't sound like it was the the right place for you to be. It was not. Yeah. <laughs> so um, after a little while, after about like I want to say like a month and a half, they told me that I could have a room, like a whole bedroom in. It was like a halfway house connected to the building with the same staff, but it was up to two years. You live there in your own room for free. And you just have to have a job and do your chores. It was like they had a chore chart and you did a chore every day. And I got a job at like Dunkin' Donuts and went to the other side of the White house. And I lost my shit. And I was constantly just flipping out over really small things, but also being targeted and picked on by the staff because I was an easy target. Um, They used to say that I was like, shouting and throwing things across my room and I fully wasn't. I would just say like, which I shouldn't have said, but I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) And then they'd be like, Hilly had a breakdown. And one time they complained about me crying too loud in the shower. I was like, okay, this is not it for me. Mm So, and I was also getting like sexually harassed at my job, but I needed money and I needed a job. And I was like, I guess this is what happens to people in the world, the real world. I ended up making the decision to leave the White house in October, 2020. And I went to live with my mom and that was a very bad decision. She she's not capable of being there for me and i accept that now but at the time it was like planting things around the house and telling me like oh you you threw your shoes on the hallway floor you left the window open and you're going to you're you're going to have to leave i'm going to kick you out you don't care about anybody but yourself um and i was like oh my god okay And at this point, I was started getting really into witchcraft, which did not ground me at all. And um, she lived in a very old house. And I do still believe that there is some dark shit in the world Mm -hmm. that you shouldn't touch, especially if you're very, very, very depressed or vulnerable and i was just like i was freaking out and i definitely had just a lot of darkness around me whether it be like real or myself just my energy and my aura and so my mom ended up kicking me out because i was crying because i thought i saw a demon in my room and at that fucking house, shit. I mean, yeah. like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Looking back, I'm like, no. But um, I went upstairs to try to talk to my mom. And she was like, do you not care about me? What about my sleep? You're waking me up to talk to me about something. You don't care about me. Like, what about me? Um, you're being crazy. I can't help you. Why are you talking to me about this? And I was just crying. And I was just like, please, can I just lay in bed with you? And the next day she kicked me out and I went to live at a hotel for a couple nights and my uncle would come to visit me. And by then it was like probably mid to late November. And, um, my mom had also helped me get a job when I moved down there and it was like a food truck. And, um, I got fired on my birthday, and then my mom kicked me out. I don't think he knew it was my birthday, but... Still. <laughs> yeah, I was like, damn, okay. Yeah. Sorry, Nelson. I get it. But, um, so yeah, I had saved up a lot of money, so I had like $5,000 in my bank account. So I was like, all right, I'll stay in a hotel for a couple of days and figure it out. And uh, my uncle would come up from the city to visit me, and we went to... I don't know if you know where Beacon, New York is. It's off the Hudson Mm -hmm. River. Okay. But it has a lot of beautiful hiking spots, and it's a really cute, like, gentrified hipster city village um, with, like, coffee shops and bookstores. So I would be in the hotel, and I would be singing or drawing, or I would be out with my uncle laughing and talking, or I would be sitting alone by the river, like meditating and being like life is beautiful life is beautiful life is beautiful listen to happy songs wear bright colors be positive manifests like attract Good what's energy. supposed to happen yeah. yeah
1: and when you so when you left the shelter did they tell like the your therapist and the social workers or no so that at that point you were just like that was something that you were able to do was just leave and they didn't okay all your choice yeah okay and um
0: i still was in touch with my therapist Mm -hmm. because it was 2020 so we were doing phone appointments so i was still getting prescribed my meds just to a different pharmacy and i was still (laughs) having therapy phone appointments um a lot of which i missed though so then um I was in that hotel for a couple nights, and my friend that I met at the shelter invited me to live with her. Now, she was in section eight housing, and you are not supposed to just invite people to live with you. But she did, and I was very grateful, but also like, I don't want to make you homeless. And I lived with her for a couple weeks, and then people started catching on to like, bro, there's someone else living with you. (laughs) and i had to leave and i went to stay with my grandpa for a couple nights and the first night i went to be with my grandpa he lives in albany new york so that's not that far away from where i was at the time um the first night that i was at my grandpa's i was like new beginning new adventure i'm safe this is my year and i was journaling about how i had a gut feeling just that same gut feeling that I was talking about before, like where everything is just gonna be okay. And I can't even feel afraid because of how much warmth and love and reassurance I feel just from the universe right now and myself. And I journaled that I felt like I was gonna travel soon and I didn't know how, but I was, and I still have that entry. And the next day I texted my cousin who we've been in touch on social media for most of my life, but I'd only met her in person like four times. And I texted her and she lives in Colorado. And I was like, she's going to think I'm insane, but whatever. And I was like, man, are you like looking for a roommate in Colorado? Because I have money saved and whatever. And she was like, oh my God, my roommate just told me that he's breaking the lease this month. Please come live with me. So I got a ticket to Colorado and flew out the next day. And I lived there for about a month and I like went hiking and I was singing with my cousin cuz she was a she's a musical musical theater major and I was surrounded by beautiful people and beautiful things in a beautiful new place, but there was still that mental illness, that like darkness that was just like, that I was just not fixing because life is a beautiful adventure and I, I have control over my identity and what I do and mental illness isn't, you know, my problem and my meds don't work anyway. I was still in denial at that point. Um, so I, At that point, after like a week of staying there, I realized that I was constantly overanalyzing everything anyone said to me, any look that they gave me, any comment that they made, good or bad, anything like, Haley, do you wanna go somewhere? I'd be like, what do you mean by that? Like, it was just all I was just constantly f- taking in and thinking about like everything that happened around me at all times. And I was losing my mind. I I think my last week there, I was on the phone with the suicide hotline in Colorado like f- four times a day. And I was like, this is not working. I can't do this to these beautiful people who invited me to live with them. I can't do it to myself, I need help. So I flew back to Albany and stayed with my grandpa. And then I went to the same hospital again. And by now this was January, 2021. Um, and I was like, I don't know where I'm gonna be in a month again, and I'm going to the hospital again. And I'm going to be in the same situation again. But I was like, okay, whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. And I always make it out. And I met a bunch of great people again. And I played guitar and did music and got good therapy. And uh, I, it was the first time I'd ever gone off of the medication that I was on since I was like 15. And I was so excited about it. Um, and that definitely leveled out mm-hmm. my moods a lot. <laughs> and so I felt really good and I had this great experience at the hospital again. And I made these new friends again. And, um, my grandpa and I were trying to figure out housing because he was like, D- you think you can't, you know, stay here permanently. And I could not do it, um. One of the girls I met in the hospital asked me if I wanted to move in with her because she knew my situation and I had enough money to give her like $400 a month month in rent. So I moved in to that apartment with her and I was like, okay, everything works out. I'm okay. I have a safe place to stay. Uh, But it was still that, situation where I was in my head all the time and making it my job to constantly surround myself with beautiful things and live by an existentialist philosophy. And my mental health needed to be perfect because I went to the hospital again and I will never go back because I'm better now. And um, I made a promise to myself while I was there that I would never hurt myself again because I struggled with cutting. Um, and to this day, I have not cut myself. And I got a lot of good out of that experience, but I was still alone all the time because my roommates worked. I was just around my roommate's cats, which they do good. Yeah.
1: do, very therapeutic.
0: <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> So I was like, I'm talking to cats all day and I'm a little off the meds again. And I am getting back into witchcraft and that's not a
1: good sign. So did you find that when you were living on your own, that it was hard for you to continue with the meds? Like, were there like, yeah.
0: Yes. I think that. I have. I actually didn't realize that I have a problem with control until about a month ago, uh-huh. <laughs> which is ironic. But I, when I lived alone, my priority was controlling my self-esteem and my routine and my spirituality and my songwriting and my art. Like I had written probably twenty songs in those two years, twenty 2020 and twenty 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 and twenty twenty one. But medication and my diagnosis those were still not important to me. That was – those weren't a part of my independence. Yeah. So I was like, it's not that important, whatever.
1: It was just something that was, like, there and holding you back in a way. Yeah. Um, You're really good at this. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but – so, yeah, I was just like, why – Like this is not good This isn't healthy Uh, So I moved back in with my grandma I called her I visited her after a year of us not talking And She basically We had both changed a lot And Even though I still wasn't healthy I was A lot healthier than I Was when she last saw me And I had gotten more of an understanding of who I was and what I want to do with my life and how I should have been treating other people growing up I was such a bitch um I would lie about everything I was manipulative because it was like nothing was real and I wasn't a real person so I was like "Mm, shit doesn't matter Mm -hmm. so I moved back in with her and I Immediately, just was like, I'm gonna go off all my meds actually because I just wanted to give myself a chance to see like, is it me or is it the medication? Like, do I actually need this? Turns out I do. (laughs) But my grandma was really supportive. She was like, Yeah, you've been thrown on this shit since you were 12, so I guess let's see. And I just went to a depressive episode, went back to the hospital. Got back on medication, got a job at Dunkin' Donuts again, which
1: sucks so much. I hate it there. Um, I feel like any, like, food job is pretty difficult. I -hmm. never liked, like, the restaurant business. It's very, very difficult.
0: (laughs) It is, and you have to have so much patience. Yeah,
1: you do. It's
0: tough. Yeah, and I did not have that. Mm -hmm. I didn't have an ounce of patience. This one time, a guy... This was towards the end of my time working there. After probably a month, this guy was, like, really pissed for some reason. So he drove up to the drive-thru, and he was like, can I have a coffee with uh, two – it was, like, two half-and-halves. And and I was like, two creams. And he was like, no, two half-and-halves. And And I was like, sir, two creams? (laughs) And he was like, no, let me tell you. And I was like, no, I'm going to tell you how this works. Yeah. And then I quit, like – a couple days later, I was like, I, I can't be nice to these people yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, and I think, like, because of mental illness, like, I dissociate a lot, mm-hmm. so a fast-paced job is not.
1: So when people say dissociate, what exactly does that mean?
0: So there are a few different types. I'm not an expert on it, but the way that I experiences experience it is because of... I'm pretty sure that the same place in your brain that processes memory Mm -hmm. is also like connected to or the same as your fight or flight response. Okay. So when you are in a situation where you're being threatened in any way and your fight or flight or freeze responses don't work, And it just keeps happening and happening and you are living in constant fear. Your brain is like, fight or flight doesn't work and you're not safe. So we're just going to not be here. So basically, and this still happens to me, happened today. It's just something that happens. Yeah. But it was like, I was watching myself from another point of view or someone else's perception of me constantly, I would be zoning out in a way that was like I would be remembering things that I didn't want to remember or putting a lot of concentration and thought in my head in this trance to change the way that a conversation went and it would play out in my head Um, and it was like I would be sitting there staring at a wall but I would be thinking about oh, if this person said this, then this is what would happen. And we would have this conversation and it
1: would all be playing out in my head. So you're like, it's, you're like not in that exact moment kind yeah. of thing. Okay. You were like just like somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. So like,
0: um, and that was growing up what my brain did to protect itself. Yeah. So, um, my sister and I joke about how our childhood was like an acid trip because we mm-hmm. were constantly playing these awesome, elaborate pretend games. Um, we were also dissociating yeah (laughs) but it's still fun um so yeah I I
1: think you were at Dunkin Dunkin Donuts right yeah yeah
0: so it is hard for me to hold a fast-paced job because of dissociation um so when a lot is going on my brain is just like just stop working (laughs) don't process anything don't move Um, so I would spill stuff all the time, and at my first Dunkin' job, people would call me messy, and I'd be because I would spill stuff all the time and forget what I was doing. Anyways, I left, I got in an argument with my sister about a week later, and I still looked with my grandma this time, and I, um... At the period of time where I had left the hospital again in July, and I worked at Duncan that month.
1: And you, were you back on your meds at this point? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, and it still takes a while for them to really build up yeah. and kick in. And I I cannot function without my meds, which I accept completely now. I'm like, whatever works. <laughs> um, so when I got back to the hospital and I started working, I was back on my grind of like, my life is beautiful, and I am a hopeful, passionate, artistic person. And now I know that I can't be over optimistic because that's unhealthy. And I've learned that I can't be super negative because that's unhealthy, and that's not reality either. So I was trying to find a middle ground at this point. And I was, I probably filled up three journals that summer of just like constant mental health work. And I was going hiking every week. And I was just so excited to be a new person all over again. And I felt like I was back where I left off and everything was going to be okay. And I was never going to go to the hospital again. And then in... It was the late September. My sister and I got into a huge fight while we were in the car together. And at that point... I had still used my eating disorder as a kind of a crutch. Is that the phrase? Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, I can't hurt myself and I can't go off my meds and I can't freak out on people, but I can control what I eat and I can check how I look every five seconds in the mirror and restrict and binge. And that's okay. Cause it's just, cause I care about how I look and that's just a whole different thing that I don't need to solve yet. So my eating disorder thoughts were wild and my sister picked me up and she wanted to go hang out with her friends and I wanted to go, but I was just feeling really insecure and there have been days that I just would stay at home because I would look at my hair in the mirror or the size of my wrists weren't didn't seem the same as the day before and I would just cry and I'd be like, I can't leave the house. I... I thought I was like constantly picking at my skin or making sure that my jaw was, that my jawline was still sharp or something.
1: I don't know. No, and it's tough too, because, you know, nowadays we're just so, it's like all of that is forced on us to see what the perfect image is. And it's like all of those things. So, you know, I think when you genuinely struggle with an eating disorder or with anything, you Mm -hmm. know. like I struggle with that stuff too you know what I mean and it's like I love the gym but there's half the time that I mean I've told Julie there's half the time that I'm like this is not healthy like I'm not going to the gym for health I'm going because I'm crazy about what I look like you know what I mean and it's like I think that everybody struggles with that so I can only imagine like if it's you know if you're actually dealing with an eating disorder you know, or anything. It's like I can only imagine how much more intense it is because, you know, even people that might not struggle on a daily basis, they still have these thoughts and like feel like, you know, I'm imperfect in this way or, you know, I mean, I remember, not to take away from your story, but I remember when I'd be in high school, I think Claudia and I, we both always like would joke about it. Like if we went to school and we didn't like what we were wearing like we wouldn't be I mean we're talking about high school like yeah. who cares you know like we would want to go home and change to like get through the rest of the day and it's like those are like what who cares you know what I mean and it's I mean even like you were saying like because like I have those thoughts of like well it, it feels like sometimes I have a double chin and then like I'll tell somebody and they're like you're you're crazy you don't have any double chin. <laughs> like but you know it's like these thoughts in our head like we start to see things that aren't actually there Mm -hmm. or don't even really matter because it's like at the end of the day, what matters is your health, like your genuine health, not even like, you know, what you look like, but, you know, your health and your well-being, it's like this whole perception of like this perfect external shell really isn't as important as we're, you know, as we think it is and as the media portrays it is. So I can, you know, I can only imagine how hard it is. Even people that, like, because I know all the time people will say to me, like, oh, like, you know, especially being on social media, like, you you look perfect, you have a perfect body. And it's like none of those comments, like, most of the time they don't mean anything because it's like that's not always what I see in the mirror. You know what I mean? And it's really hard, I think, as individuals to let go of that because of, you know, what we see every day. So I just wanted to add that in there.
0: Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. It's – and, like, when you see someone on social media – of course, follow you guys. (laughs) Um, And it's like, I would have never known that you had those insecurities. Mm -hmm. But it's like,
1: social media is like... I think everyone does. And if somebody tells you that they don't, they're either very, very, very well found in their life, you know, and like have come to this place of like complete confidence or they're lying. Because, you know, they're most beautiful people. I've seen interviews of fucking Megan Fox and people like saying that they're extremely insecure and it's like we wouldn't think that because we see them as such beautiful perfect human beings but mentally like a lot of people don't feel that way and at the end of the day like I I always like talk about this is like what we see on the outside like of course everybody wants to feel beautiful and like Mm -hmm. not even look beautiful but feel it you know um but that's like we're human and that doesn't always happen like there could be days where we wake up and to the whole outside world we look perfectly fine Mm -hmm. but in the mirror it's like ew, like, I don't look that good. Like, I literally, like, think the, some of the things you were saying of, like, about your wrists, like, not looking the way that they did the day before, like, not, like, kind of, like, the same. Like, I'll wake up and I'll be like, well, my stomach doesn't look as toned today. Like, what did I eat wrong? And it's like, those thoughts that you start thinking in your head, it's like, it's really toxic because it's like, why does that matter? You know what I mean? Like, oh, you had a you had an extra bag of popcorn last night. That's what it was. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's, it's so obsession. dumb. It's really unfortunate. And, you know, it's like, uh, it's. I feel like it's really easy for me to talk about because I'm. It's a, an everyday thought most of the time for me because I go to the gym every day and it's like this. You know, it's a constant like battle within your own mind of like just trying to fit this like perfect mold, and it becomes it's crazy because it it becomes something where it's like it's so ingrained in your mind that it's like social media doesn't even matter anymore because now you have this own perception in your mind of like how you think you should look, and then it's like yeah. a constant battle with yourself. So it's like, I just wanna let like, you know you're not alone on that. So we all have those thoughts. Julie has those thoughts, we all do. So we gotta <laughs> yell at each other sometimes, like, bitch, you look fine. She did it today to me. So we're good. <laughs> you look you know? beautiful. Both thank of you. you. So do you. So thank do you.
0: you. I really appreciate you of saying course, that. Of course, of course. And it's so hard because like a lot of it I, I did six months of eating disorder outpatient from it was I don't even know if it was exactly six months, but it was like November twenty twenty. One to April 2022, and it took 16-hour intense group therapy sessions over Zoom every week for, like, six months in order for me to get those thoughts out of my head, and basically what I learned was none of that shit actually (laughs) matters, and... Now, like it basically I remember the first day of treatment and it was just like a shock to me because they were like congratulating people on eating ice cream and pizza. And I was like, I thought this was a health group, but and I got mad. I was like, I don't want to be here. They're encouraging me to overeat. This is unhealthy. Like they call that the eating disorder voice. So it's anything in your mind that has the values of an eating disorder and not you. Like, my values as a human, music, art, adventure, love, etc. An eating disorder value was control, depression, looking perfect. And, like, so it was, like, when I was in treatment, like, my whole thing was, like, my eating disorder voice was my voice still. Even though I had gone through all this work for self-love and meditating and balancing out my moods. And that's crazy because I was actually like the next part of my story. Like Mm -hmm. it just went in there perfectly. (laughs) So I basically learned that I am not the kind of person who can yet, who can like go to the gym or not like regularly yet because I will, if I, like, I ended up body checking, which for me that was, I like, 10 times a day. When I started treatment, I was taking videos of myself walking around my room every day. Like, 10 videos. And it was just an obsession. And
1: I did that. um, Do you think that was, like, was any of that you think to, like, see what other people were seeing? Yeah. It
0: was, like all I cared about was other people's perceptions of me yeah. physically. Right. Like I would, if I was going to the gas station at 10 PM for water, I would like put on makeup and take a video of self, walking around and be like, what if I meet my soulmate at the gas station? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, that was for everything. Like it was always like, I wonder how other people see me. And I actually ended up, body checking the other day and I was like you know it's it's fine I just want to make sure that I look the same and in my head I was like why do you want to make sure and I was like "Uh, uh, oh exactly it's because you are having eating disorder thoughts again yeah but I ended up body checking and this was this week and it made me just that one reminder of the eating disorder, I just spiraled. And it was like, I had felt so in control of my mental health recently because I really have been. Um, I've had a lot of epiphanies around like, how I am not my illness and that's cliche, but um, I'm just, I'm everything, that i'm everything that i decided that i was when i started my healing journey but that person also struggles with mental illness and i accept that and i embrace it now and people have their stuff to say about people with mental illness which is understandable if you don't understand it
1: and if you don't experience it then how are you gonna know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and it's, you know, not to compare in any way, but it's, it's interesting to me because a lot of the things that you're sharing, it reminds me of like my experience with the guy that I dated, like just, you know, the patterns of like, you know, real like, and cause I would just know too, like of him sharing his story with me of like genuinely like getting out of the hospital and like feeling like he was like on the right track again and then going back like <clears throat> usually a year later, it's almost like a relapse, yeah. you know, and I think, too – I mean, what you said is spot on. Unless you experience it, like, within yourself or with somebody that you love or you care about, a friend, a partner, you really don't understand it, you know, like, at all. And it puts life into perspective because it makes you realize that there's people that are battling themselves, like, every day. And there's nothing that really anyone can do, not even the person struggling, like, in that moment. Um, and I don't even think that's because – um They don't want to get help. Like everybody wants to feel good and happy. But like you said, finding the right medicine takes time. Having the medicine actually kick in and know if it works takes time, you know. And I think um, on top of that, when you said, you know, you're not defined by your mental illness, I don't think anybody is, you know. I I think that – Everybody struggles with something. And maybe not everybody is diagnosed with something, mm-hmm. um, but everybody has their own thing that they're struggling with. And none of us want to be defined by that. Like we want to be defined by the acts that we do every day and who we are and how we treat people. And that's, that is what is most important. But, you know, it's like I think that if medicine helps you, like, of course, stay on it. You know what I mean? Do, what's, yes. do, what is, do what is going to help you and make you feel the best. But I, I understand that it's – it's really tough when you constantly have these like feelings of you know kind of like maybe slightly going like falling back into a same pattern. But I I know that you know it might not be as serious as a, a diagnosed illness. But everyone has something that they fall back into a unhealthy habit or a pattern, and you, we just don't see it, you know. But because not everybody's going to let you into their personal thoughts or you know, and it's just it's wild because. Um, you know everybody has like I said everybody has something and as there's days that I feel like you can wake up and be like today is a good day and that's why I think it's really important too to live day by day because it's like you could wake up and have a really good day and just take that in and enjoy it mm-hmm. and there's a chance that you might wake up the next day and look in the mirror and just feel like you're an ugly piece of shit and you know we all have those moments oh, but yeah. it's part of unfortunately it's part of life it's part of being human we're so fucking hard on ourselves okay. you know and it's it's sad and it sucks because it, it would be nice if we all practiced self-love more but it's a really really hard thing to learn like it's it, it, I don't even know if you know groups and therapy all of that can help and you know I've listened to podcasts and watch videos of you know these people talking and it's so clear and it makes so much sense when you listen to people like telling you none of this matters. And you can know in your head, like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter. And you can say these affirmations to yourself in the mirror, but then when you're by yourself and you start getting in your head, then none of that matters. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's really tough to, um, you know, not allow yourself. I th- I feel like it's tough not to allow yourself to be defined by certain things, but at the end of the day, you have control of what you're going to, you know, what you're defined by. Like, and that's, it takes time and it takes work, whether Mm -hmm. it's a mental illness or not. But you can, I feel like the more you learn about yourself and the more you grow, then the more you're able to kind of like work on like fixing certain things or improve, I don't like to say fixing, improving certain things or, you know, making yourself feel more loved within yourself. Yeah. That didn't really make sense, but you got what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, no, it did. And... One of my therapists, before I actually gave a shit about therapy, um, she used to say, I can't fix you because you're not broken. And the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to (laughs) try right now. (laughs) Um, And I have really learned that there's so much that I've learned and so many epiphanies that I've had. And... I've come so far with mental health. Like on paper, people wouldn't think I'm successful at all. I don't have a license or a car or a job and I'm just about to go to college and I'm 21 now. But I have been through so much and I'm so emotionally mature because of what happened to me. Mm But also because of how I decided, like made the conscious decision to handle what happened to me. Yeah. Because like if I had just gone with whatever and given up, I either wouldn't be here or I would be in a very, very like alive or I would be in a very different, awful place. Um, And I think that the main lesson that I have learned is that everything in life for everyone because everyone's experience and pain is valid um everything is trial and error Mm -hmm. like relationships jobs job interviews mental health recovery self-love um friendships driving like what I thought was self-love turned out to be really toxic and overly positive and just me wanting control. So I was like, okay, I fell down really hard. How do I get back up? Mm -hmm. I learned how to get back up. I learned that I got up wrong and then I fell back down. And every time it happens with everything, I know now how to put myself back together. Right. So it's like, I think once you learn that even if you were wrong about, self-love or who you are, what you want to be, like, that's okay because you're supposed to
1: get back up. You're Mm -hmm. supposed to fall down. And Um, each time too, you might learn something different and change something. And, you know, even if it's starting a new path each time, it's like you learn something with each new path, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and sometimes it's like, I think a lot of everyone probably thinks about this, but there comes a point when you're really depressed or lost Or manic or confused or going through a breakup because I just went through my first breakup a couple months ago and that was hard. It's tough. It's one of the hardest things. Yeah.
1: You'll get through it though. And there'll probably be many more. Oh, yeah. Take it from me. I am. (laughs) You'll be fine. You live and learn. You do. Get back up. Yep. And each one will teach you something different. It'll teach you what to look for and not look for in the next one. Thank God. Yes, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> so do you have a relationship with your mom now? No. Not at all?
0: Both my parents reached out to me on my birthday mm-hmm. or around my birthday to basically like disown me. And I was like...
1: Like they called or texted or...
0: I tried to reach out to my dad about something and he was like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. I wish
1: you the best. Does he have a relationship with your siblings? No. Okay.
0: Um, but I was like, in his eyes, it was like, Haley has a big heart and she forgives. So I was taken advantage of Mm -hmm. and manipulated. And I know that was not his intention. Um, but everyone in my family struggles with a lot. So on my 21st birthday, he sent me this gift that was just every picture I ever sent him the rest of the stuff that he has of me and my sister and a card that I made for him when he was in the hospital that I took like hours making and I was like okay and then my mom kind of like disowned me when I turned 21 too um and I was like okay so universe god whatever clearly does not want my parents in my life for mm-hmm this point on for a while I don't know how long whatever happens happens
1: and it's probably healthier for you it sounds absolutely yeah so right now you're gonna go back to college right or you're starting college starting okay hopefully (laughs) also and that's gonna be in New York Mm -hmm. and then where are you living now
0: with my grandma I am going to be living in college housing though Mm -hmm. so I'm very much looking forward to that also are you gonna have a roommate are you
1: doing doing yourself
0: I will most likely end up having at least one roommate. I am a little nervous to live on my own again because it's just so... I really... I'm an introvert, and I recharge by being by myself, and I love my own company, and I love myself. I am my own best friend, but humans are social creatures, so when I'm alone too much, like, when anyone is alone too much, it's like, oh, shit, this really takes a toll on my heart. Mm -hmm. And when I'm alone too much, I completely spiral. And I've gotten better at picking myself back up and learning how to cope with everything. But there are still some things that I need to figure out how to... I don't know. Work through and accomplish. Mm Like, I... I have a lot to work through and accomplish but I have come really really far and I've learned that that is what I need to focus on
1: and like the progress of it all
0: yeah and there is so much and I also literally like a month ago I realized that um I have always been in my heart this me like there was a shell over myself because of the abuse. And then when I was able to be my own person, I just was basically putting on a mask over everything and didn't realize it. Trial and error. Um, but I think about who I was as a little kid. And I talk to my inner child a lot, which is really, really healing. And I realized that because of just who I am in my heart and who the things that I've always enjoyed and been drawn to I really think that whatever I went through I would still be this Haley but and I let myself be mad about that because it's like sitting in your emotions and just being still and feeling every ounce of anger in your body or sadness or fear and acknowledging that it just lets it pass through and I let myself be angry about it but now I'm like okay well It could have gone differently, but it didn't. So there's a quote, I can't go back and change the beginning, but I can start where I am and change the ending. Mm -hmm. So, um, oh, I was saying before, I think everybody comes to a point where they're in a really deep depression or a really terrible, something really awful going on for them or just, yeah, everybody feels a little lost. Um, And you kind of ponder on, like, what's the point? And I think that to anyone listening who is thinking about that or wondering, um, what helped me is creating my own point for myself. Like, figure out who you are. Make a list of the things that you like. Make a list of the things that you value. Make a list of your strengths. And make like, what would this person who I really am or who I'm starting to understand that I am, what do they want from life? And it changes. The point of my life has been to be a famous musician or to be an adventurer or to live completely alone. (laughs) And right now I feel like it's spreading awareness and making the most of my experiences and changing the ending
1: and it's important too because I I think that people that, you know, also might struggle for, with bipolar disorder, when they hear this, I think they would really, really relate to it because even like I said, just hearing your story in comparison to someone that I know that has bipolar disorder, it's there's so many points that just resemble one another and could really make someone feel like... They are not alone and that there's other people in this world that have the same you know thoughts or same potential patterns and it's it's your normal you know what i mean and yeah. it's like there's nothing wrong with that so i think that you know we all need somebody to relate to to some degree because it makes us feel normal and it makes us feel like we're heard and we're understood yeah. so i think that no matter what or where your point is in life or your goal to spread awareness, I think will always be something that you should continue to do because yes. it's so helpful to people. Even if it's just one person, it could really, really make somebody just completely, it could save their, save their life. You know what I mean? It could completely change their mindset. It could make them feel like somebody actually in the world gets what they're feeling. Because I, I can imagine that in those dark moments, it's really, really easy to feel alone. And like, especially because like you said, you know, anybody that doesn't, understand mental illness or hasn't experienced it with someone or firsthand it might be really hard for them to not look at someone and be like oh they're they're crazy they're off the bandwagon but like you know everybody goes through their shit and Mm -hmm. to have somebody that opens up and speaks about their experience I feel like that could really make someone feel like well I'm not crazy and I'm not alone like I just need to figure out ways to help myself feel better you know and I feel like it's just as simple as that and that's just a really hard thing for people to wrap their head around so
0: yeah one of the I learned in therapy that one of the key components to self-compassion is the humanity aspect just picturing like I am not the only person on the planet who feels like I want to kill myself right now Mm -hmm. or just went through a breakup or has just had the happiest moment of their life and wants to enjoy it or going through recovery like we are all connected in some way like Um, I think I said this in the email, or the original email that I sent you, but I had, uh, she was a social worker who worked in Four Winds, and she used to say, I might end up going there again someday, I'm fine with that, it's good to get help when you need it, but she would say, "Um, you and I are no different, we're all just trying to walk each other home, and... I think about that every time I share my story with anybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm, thank you so much. Of course, for this effort. Like
1: of course, you did really, really great. Like thank it, you. I think you did such a good job. Thank and you. like I said, I really do believe stories like yours really will touch people and help a lot of people. Because I, I don't think I don't think enough people have outlets like this to just listen to somebody else's experience and story. And I just think it was. It was very spot on and perfect. You did a really good job.
0: Thank you so much. Of course, of course. you doing this, like, this is through you. Like, you and everybody's story on here can relate to someone. Like, you are helping hundreds of thousands of people by doing this. Thank Um, you. you You're an amazing person.
1: Thank you. You're so sweet. (laughs) So are you. Thank you. Um, And then I know that you had said that you wrote a song, right? Yeah. Okay, so is that something that you'd want me to link down below for people to listen to or –
0: I still can't believe I...
1: No, you're fine. But if you wanted me to link it, <laughs> I you. totally can.
0: So I actually figured I would have something recorded by now. Um, I've been doing like gigs and open mics, but I haven't recorded anything. Like mm-hmm. I'm still in the process of talking to studios. So I have all my music on my Instagram if you'd be able to link it. Okay, yeah,
1: for sure. But that's all. Awesome, yeah. And by the time... it we, This probably won't come out for a few weeks, so if... If in a few weeks you have something recorded, let me know, send it over and I can put it in the bio for you so people can listen. Oh, so, thank you. Of course. And seriously, thank you so much for coming on. I loved listening to your story and I think you I think you have come such a long way and I I really do believe that you're where you are now and like I feel like this goes for anybody. Like where we all are today, we're going to be like so much further even in like a week or a month or a year, you know, so it's like the progress that we have now is amazing, but it's like something to look forward to is how far far you're even going to go past now. And it's like, I feel like also just to throw in there, which I feel like everybody knows, but even if you're doing like really well for a while, it's okay to like knock back down and have something. I was just telling Julie today, like sometimes it takes things going wrong Mm -hmm. to like teach you things and learn how to like make them right and make them better. And it's like, if you, if you never had that in life, everything would be a breeze, which you would never learn anything and would you would suck. never improve on anything. You know what I mean? It's like, we're, lessons are thrown at you and like failures and obstacles are thrown at you so that you can improve on them and do better and learn things. And if, you know, we, we're constantly learning and I feel like that's really important. So yeah, I think the progress that you've made is amazing. I Thank think you. that, you know, all of your experiences, even though, you know, the stuff with your mom and stuff, like yeah, it's horrible and it's sad and you know, I think that I've always thought this that you can either let something define you at any point in your life. You can let something define you or you can learn from it and become better from it and spread awareness about it. And I feel yes. like there's always going to be something that someone goes through that it's like, yeah, we might look at it and be like, why me? Or like, how could God do this to me? Or why why did this happen? Or I like there's people there's a group of people over here that grew up this way and why couldn't I have those luxuries but you know it's like I always think that even though some things might be really fucking shitty yeah. like they make you who you are yeah. and you have more experience because of it and yeah. it makes you stronger and it, it literally helps you relate to more people and help more people because if you didn't have those experiences like I don't know that's like a whole group of people you might not be able to help you know so and me all of, mm-hmm. the, all of my yeah. friends
0: are people I've met in treatment. Right. Like the most beautiful people I meet through my experience. Like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wouldn't the, we say that Right.
1: We say that all the time. And, and that's one of the things that like I love about doing this is I really – I genuinely get to meet people and hear so many people's stories. And that's why I like the format more so now of just letting people talk because I get to enjoy it too and I get to really listen and learn. And I love that people are able to come on here and just share – their story and then other people can listen and relate and you know just and like you said it's like it's it can help people that might be able to relate but it can also help people that can't relate understand better you know yeah. so I think that's a big thing too but yeah absolutely but great job and thank you're amazing you. and thank you're you so amazing. much for coming
0: on thank you